let's just give our kids a, a big round of applause. They're just fantastic. Something to smile and laugh about this year. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, well, uh, I want to welcome you guys to Catalyst. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to welcome all of you to the, uh, uh, I, I guess, the second, uh, only two Sundays one Sunday between now and Christmas, and so um, I'm glad all of you guys are here. Thank you for joining us. If you're joining us online, um, we are uh, very excited to have you here. We're continuing in our series called The Moment That God Changes Everything, and so I want to ask you to turn to John chapter 5. You can, uh, in, in your Bibles, you can uh, pull up your version Bible app. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 15 is where we're going to be the whole day, and so um, this is, like I said, the series is called The Moment when God changes everything, and we're in part five, and this is one of my favorite ones, actually. It's when God removes your excuses. And the main thing today is those who are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. That's the, that's the main thing. So I want you guys to remember that. Uh, I, I have to confess something. I did not make up, I did not come up with today's main thing. Today's main thing was said to me repeatedly for four years by my college soccer coach. It didn't matter what it was. Um, you know, uh, your leg fell off. Uh, coach, my leg fell off. Those are make, good at making excuses, really good for anything else, Kibler. Uh, I heard that all the time. And so it is very, very true. There's nothing <clears throat> in life that holds us back as much as our excuses. Our excuses are the things that get in the way of everything that God wants to do in our lives. And we're going to see this here. Uh, Jesus walks up to a man uh, who was an invalid. If you guys join here in John chapter 5, verse 1 through 15. And he asks an amazing question. He says, do you want to get well? Check this out. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic, Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounding by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. How many years? 38 years, okay? Uh, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? <clears throat> question that Jesus asks is kind of amazing. I, I would imagine the man would say yes. I mean, who in the world does not want to get well? Well, a lot of people actually. A lot of people, and maybe even most people, really don't want to get well, I've found in 21 years of ministry. Um, see, see there, there are tons of people with problems that really don't want them to go away. They really don't. I, I take that back. They want the problems to go away. It's just that the solution to the problem is less attractive than the cause of the problem. What I've seen so many times, people love their problems. Well, I take that back. No, they don't love their problems. They love the cause of their problems. Is that fair? Can we say that? They, they love the cause of their problems more than they love the solution to the problems. Uh, Jesus says, do you want to get well? Well, the first step to getting well, the first step that Jesus wants to do in your life is to stop you from loving the cause of your problems. All right? We have to stop loving, number one, we have to stop loving the cause of our problems. Now, this man had been this way for, for how many years? 38 years. That's a long time 
to be in this one condition. All right, we don't know what was going on. It may, may have been his fault, may not have been. The Bible doesn't tell us. Okay, but many of us in here have had problems for a long time. We've been dealing with it for a long time. Maybe our fault may not be. And all too often, we've had our problems for so long that they have become a part of us and they have become our identity. And now that they're our identity, we fight anyone or anything that would threaten that. It's a really strange thing. Very, very problems becoming our identity. How many times have you heard it? I'm an angry person. That's just who I am. I'm fat. I'm a divorcee. I'm in debt. I'm an invalid. I'm handicapped. I'm an addict. I'm mean. I'm unforgiving. I'm judgmental. I'm greedy. I'm selfish. I can't control my sexual desires. Once that happens, once your problems become your identity, it's almost impossible, barring a major work of God, for them to leave. Because when someone speaks and says, do you want to get well, you take it as a a personal threat on your very identity. I see it as a pastor all the time. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. He was talking about money, but I think it applies here as well. It's not that we love the problems. It's that we love the cause of our problems more than we love the solutions. If any of you follow me on Facebook, how many of y'all follow me on Facebook? I'm sorry. I I really am. Uh, You know, you can get a little bit prickly sometimes. I've wrestled with what word to use there. I came up with prickly. Uh, Uh, This year on my Facebook page, I dealt with just about every issue you can imagine. Seriously. Uh, From opinions on lockdowns, Kentucky governors, election, the Bible, baptism, church, you name it. Um, Do you know what has given me the most hate? You know what, what has generated the most criticism, the most hate, the most vitriol of any topic that, the, that, that I can imagine? It's, it'd be surprised. It's surprising. It's not politics. It's not religion. It's obesity. Uh, one of the most frustrating things to me this year is the overwhelming evidence that research shows that COVID-19 is highly linked to obesity. Did you know that? Study after study after study after study after study have shown this. Okay? Uh, If I even dare to link a study saying, hey, COVID-19 is linked to obesity, I get an avalanche of anger, of of hate, of of everything. I've been called insensitive. I've been called mean. I've been accused of fat shaming. I've even had, this is why I don't go to church because of people like you, all that, you name it. It's about that. Jesus says, do you want to get well? Not if it means I have to deal with my obesity. I'd rather just yell at you, call you insensitive. In the meantime, I'm going to stay here by the pool of Bethesda as an invalid. You'd think people would want to get well, but they don't. Many people really don't want to get well. See, no one loves obesity, guys. No one loves that. No one loves it. I'm not saying that they do, but we love the cause of obesity more than we love the solution to it. The drive-through lines for fast food at mealtime around the block, you guys. 
We love our sugar and fat-laden lattes, our French fries and cookies and supersized soft drinks more than we hate obesity. And we don't love the problem, but we love the cause of the problem, and that's why we have problems. And that is what Jesus wants to heal in you. He wants to stop you loving the cause of your problems because that is what is holding you back. Um, several years ago, I was watching Stevie Union by former President Barack Obama, and, he'd say, and I remember him specifically saying, we, this year, we're going to dedicate $5 billion to finding the cure for AIDS. We all know the cure for AIDS. We know it, and it doesn't cost $5 billion. People can stop shooting up intravenous drugs and stop having extramarital sex. That's how you cure AIDS. That's it. That's never put forward as a solution because it's not that we love AIDS. We love the cause of it more than we love the solution to it. See, we have a major debt crisis here in America. Average American, American household owes $255,000 to creditors. We all hate debt. Nobody loves debt. We love what causes our debt, buying more house than we need, buying more car than we need, spending things, uh, buying things that we don't have money for on credit. We love the cause of our problems. Until we begin loving the solution more than we love the cause, we will always have problems. We will always be held back. And so when Jesus approaches you this morning, this morning he is approaching you saying, do you want to get well? Or what are you telling him? Are you taking it as an attack on your identity because your problems have become your identity? Well, I'm going to ask you to stop, okay? When Jesus asks you, do you want to get well? Many people just say, not really. Not really. Because in order for Jesus to heal you, you have to change what you love. You have to change what you love. You have to change your love for the cause of problems, love your solutions. Jesus says, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed of your addictions, Jesus says? Do you want to be healed of the wounds people have inflicted on you so they don't, you don't keep going back to them? But those have become your identity. You're a wounded person, and that's become your identity. And you fight Jesus when he tries to take it away from you. Do you want to be healed of your unforgiveness, Jesus asks. Do you want to be healed of your anger, your bitterness, your financial situation, your health situation, your spiritual situation? Do you want to be healed, Jesus asks. We have to stop loving the cause of our problems. Stop making them our identity. To this man, he'd been an invalid for a long time. A long time. How many years? 38 years, exactly. All right? I think the writer here is making a point. That was, his, that was his identity. At uh, one of the Inside Out Dad things I went to last year, one of the inmates in the Chesapeake County Detention Center came up to me, and, and he'd written something, and he said this, I learned something early in recovery. He said, alcohol and drugs weren't my problem. Alcohol and drugs were my solution. And that was my problem. Because there's no chemical solutions for spiritual problems. Only God and I can handle spiritual problems together. That's good. That's really good. Uh, let's substitute some different things, shall we? Um, spending too much wasn't my problem. Spending too much was my solution. And that became my problem. No material solutions for spiritual problems. Uh, how about this one? Not forgiving people wasn't my problem. Not forgiving people was my solution. And that became my problem. Um, how about this one? Uh, blaming others 
wasn't my problem. Blaming others was my solution. It was my solution to every, everything I ever faced in life was blaming other people. That wasn't my problem. That, that was my solution to everything. And that became my problem. Anger and wrath weren't my problems. Anger and wrath were my solutions to everything. And that became my problem. So when Jesus says to the man, do you want to get well? Jesus' statement was an invitation to stop loving the cause of his problems. Okay, and like most people, he gives Jesus an excuse as to why he can't get well. Verse 7, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Interesting. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, picked up his mat, and walked. Many times, you guys, our healing comes with instructions. If you notice, Jesus did not acknowledge his excuse. And he doesn't acknowledge your excuses either. The people who are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. And we find out why this man has been an invalid for 38 years. He's good at making excuses. Um, I actually did the math, you guys. I wonder what Jesus looked at him and said, you're telling me for 38 years you're never able to go down into the pool one time? Um, immediately told Jesus why he couldn't be healed. Become so good at excuses that he told the very Son of God himself why the Son of God couldn't heal him. I wonder if anyone's doing that this morning or online. You walked in here today, and you're telling Jesus right now, right now you're telling him why Jesus cannot save you, why he cannot heal you, why he cannot change your situation. You're telling him that right now. Like Nazi propagandist Joseph Goebbels said, a lie repeated often enough becomes the truth. And when we repeat a lie, an excuse, for so long it becomes our truth. We begin to believe it. See, the only problem, the problem is, the only person your excuse sounds like truth to is you. Everybody else can see right through it. See, 38 years, Jesus said, you've been sitting here, and every single time you try to go down in the water, someone else goes in front of you. 38 years, let's see, I did the math. That's 13,870 days. That's 332,880 uh, 332, uh, hours. That's 19,972,800 minutes you've been sitting there. And not one of those times you telling me you could get down into the water. You see how ridiculous that sounds? But to that man, it sounded like, perfect, like a perfect reason. Okay? You see how ridiculous the excuses sound to everyone but ourselves? You see how ridiculous our excuses sound to God? It's like in the case of this man, our excuse has become a very own personalized jail cell. I want you to think of that. I want you to think excuse is your personalized jail cell that you have built for yourself and that you refuse to leave. And Jesus is opening the door to it, saying, do you want to get well? Come out and like, you know what? I, I think I'd rather just stay in this jail cell I've made for myself. That's what we're doing when we make excuses. And many times we fight, we criticize anyone who tries to drag us out of that jail cell we've made for ourselves. When I listened to this man's response, something was very painfully clear to me. That is painfully clear to me this morning as well. When that man was approached by Jesus, he had no intention of being healed. And when many of us walked in here this morning, 
Many of us were not, had no intention of being healed this morning. We had no intention of being delivered from the things that are destroying us. No intention of allowing the Son of God to change us, to love us, to heal us. No intention of that. Because we just didn't think it was possible. Maybe if I did a survey, how many of you came to church this morning with an expectation of Jesus healing you finally today? How many of you came to church this morning with the eager expectation that you actually walk out of here different than you were when you walked in here? How many of us? I hope it's everyone, but I know that's not the truth. So right now, Jesus is asking you, do you want to get well? You're giving him reasons why he can't. People are good at making excuses. They're rarely good at anything else. And nobody knows, knows what Jesus does here. He doesn't just heal the man. He doesn't just do that. He doesn't just fix the man. He gives him instructions. He gives him immediate instructions. And I love this. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus isn't interested in simply healing you. He wants you to be well. Big difference between being healed and being well. Okay? Uh, he gives them instructions. Uh, being healed means more than just now that he's able to walk. Being well means he's actually getting up and walking. There's a big difference. Okay? When, when Jesus makes you well, it is different than just being healed. You want to actually get up and walk. You actually want to be delivered from this thing that has kept you down for so long. Not so that you can continue to sit there like you weren't healed but so that you can actually get up and walk. Jesus asks, do you want to get well from your bitterness? He's asking someone that right now. Someone in here, he's asking that. Do you want to get healed from your bitterness? From your negativity that just permeates everything? You want to be healed from that? Well, then pick up your mat and go live a life of joy. It's not enough just to be delivered from your bitterness. You need to pick up your mat and go live with joy. Jesus asks, you want to get well from your financial situation? Not so you can simply have no debt, so you can be truly free of the habits that got you there. So you can actually live differently, pick up your mat, and walk. See, I've, I've found these companies that advertise. Get out of debt. Have you seen those? We'll reduce all your debt to one single payment. You, have you seen those? How many of you all have seen those? You understand they're not interested in you being well. You understand that, right? They, they are not creating a solution for you. They know that if they take your debt and they simply consolidate it and everything, that you yourself haven't changed and that you still have your same habits. And what they're doing is they're creating a lifelong customer because they have not made you well. They have put a Band-Aid on a, on a situation and now they're creating a lifelong customer because you didn't change and they know you'll be back and they'll be back. You'll be back and you'll be back. See, that is not being well. That is not what Jesus is talking about when he heals you. When he, when he, he wants to heal you, he wants to make you well. All right? The woman caught in adultery in, in, in John chapter uh, 16, I believe. Um, when when they hauled her in front of Jesus and said, the law says we need to kill her. Jesus says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, and they all leave. And, he said, and, and she says, uh, uh, well, uh, what do I do now? And Jesus says, go now and leave your life of sin. Why did he tell her that? Because he knew if she didn't, he, she would be right back in front of the mob the next week. She would not be well. Okay. You have your moment when God changes everything, when you allow him to eliminate your excuses and actually make you well. 
when you finally allow God to remove your excuses and he heals you, something will happen that maybe you're not expecting. Those of you that are really struggling with things right now, really right now, and, and, you, and you, maybe God heals you right now, and he makes you well, and you walk out of here, something is really going to hit you, and you need to be ready for it. It's that not everyone is going to be excited. Matter of fact, there are going to be some people that are upset. Look here. The day in which this took place was Sabbath. Verse 10. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, Sabbath, law forbids you to carry your mat. The religious leaders were perfectly fine with him sitting incapacitated as an invalid by the pool. All right? Perfectly unhealed, reveling in excuses, wrapped up in his own prison. Perfectly fine with that, but healed and walking? Oh, no, 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 we can't have that. Okay? There will always be those who criticize your healing. Always. Just be ready for it. All right? If you're, if you're addicted to drugs right now, you're an addict, and you get clean, there will always be people that criticize that. Maybe your former buddies, maybe former group that you used to run with, maybe your family that, you, that, 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 that has been estranged and they don't believe it and they criticize you. Just, just know that when you get healed, not everybody's going to be happy about it. And you have to deal with that. Okay? Um, if, you, if you're crushed and dead and you get out of debt, believe me, your broke friends are not going to be happy about it. They're not going to be happy about it. You'll make fun of the car you drive, the decisions you make. When your broke friends make fun of you, you know you're doing well. Okay? Weight loss, if any of you want to get serious about losing, losing weight and everything, believe me, the second you set foot in the gym, there are going to be people that criticize you. They will. They're not interested. They're happy with you being you know, uh, uh, tied down and, 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 and unhealed. But when you actually start to get serious about it, not everyone's going to be happy about it. Just remember that. Okay? When you become a follower of Jesus... When you become a follower of Jesus, not everyone's going to be happy. You can be delivered from the sin that is destroying you, and, and, and people will criticize it. They don't care that you're well, that you're on your way to becoming well. All they see is you're doing things you didn't used to do. You're doing things with your life that, that, they, that you didn't used to do, that they're not doing, and they try to stop you. See, 1 Peter 4, 2-4 says this, the result, they don't live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. They're surprised you don't join with them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Okay? Healing always comes with criticism. It did for this man, and it will for you too. Be ready for it. Accept it, then overcome it. And look what the man does. I love this. This is what a truly healed person does. He doesn't shrink back, doesn't go back and lay by the pool like a good little boy. He replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. What is he saying? He's saying the guy that made me well, Pharisees, have more authority than you. And I'm going to go with what he's saying. That's what a truly well person does. Does. So they asked him, who, so who is this fellow that told you to pick it up and walk? He goes, the man who had been healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went, man went away and told the Jewish leaders it was Jesus who made him well. So this is what happens when Jesus removes our excuses. When we, we walk out of that prison that we made for ourselves, our excuses, we give the healer the credit. You're the healer credit. Now, 
We have a testimony. Now you have a testimony of what you've been delivered from, of what you have been healed from. That is what Jesus wants you to do when he delivers you from your excuses. He wants you to give the healer the credit. Turn your healing to a powerful testimony of what Jesus can do. See, Jesus is only interested in one thing, your total healing. He wants you to walk as, as he would walk if he, had, if he had your life. He wants you to do what he would do if he was living your life. If he, was, if he had your family, how would he treat your family? If he had your job, how would he treat the people? How would he work? If he had your resources, your finances, if he had everything that you have, what would Jesus do? That is what he wants for you. Jesus says, do you want to get well? I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to do what you yourself cannot do, Jesus says. I'm going to change your heart so you love the solution more than the cause. I'm going to change your love for sin into a love for God. I'm going to change your love for material things and love for financial discipline. I'm going to change your love for extramarital sex into a love of fidelity and faithfulness and marriage. I'm going to change your love for profanity into a love for kindness and words that build up. I'm going to change your love for alcohol and drugs into a love for sobriety and self-control. I'm going to change your love for gluttony into a love for self-control and health. I'm going to change your love for envy and greed into a love for generosity and love. That's what I'm going to do this morning. question is, are you going to fight me? Are you going to give me excuses? That's what Jesus is asking. What does the Bible say that we're supposed to do in Psalm 34, 18? Psalm 34, I'm sorry, 34, 1 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We're supposed to taste and see that the Lord is good, better than our excuses. His will is better than our sin, better than our excuses. Um, It's it's, it's Christmas time, and um, I brought a little something. Um, because it is Christmas time, I brought some Christmas cookies. You guys see my Christmas cookies? They are good Christmas cookies. They're sugar cookies with a little bit of icing on, on, on the top. Uh. Mm. It's good. Excuse me. I also brought something I love. Who here likes hot wings? May I like hot wings? Yeah. All right. Well, my favorite thing for hot wings is Parmesan garlic wing sauce. I love this stuff. This is my favorite stuff to put on wings. So what I think I'm going to do, when the Lord says, taste and see that the Lord is good, What are y'all laughing about? What? The people that are laughing here have actually been here a while and kind of know what was about to happen. But the thing is, is that Lord invites me to enjoy my faith, enjoy what he wants for me. He offers life. He offers Salvation. He offers eternal life. He offers peace. He offers the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self-control in your life. But when I have excuses in my life, it's like pouring Parmesan sauce. And it ruins what God has for you. 
Your excuses are like Parmesan garlic sauce on a Christmas cookie. So my question is, Let's just say that I'm not enjoying. Let's just say that that's awful. And yet, that is exactly what life looks like to God when you hand him your excuses, when you tell him why he can't do what only God can do. When you give him an excuse, it's like putting this stuff on a gift. And I would imagine that there are plenty of people in here today whose spiritual lives taste a lot like what I'm going through right now. There's no joy. There's no enjoyment of God. No enjoyment of the life that he wants you to have. No enjoyment of the gifts that he can give you. Because you've given him excuses for why he can't be God. And because of our excuses, not because of God and his power, because of our excuses, we run into this. Now my question is, which do you prefer? The one with the excuse or the one where you simply taste and see the Lord is good. Got my amen pew down here. <laughs> I like that. You guys are awesome. So what about it, church? How long are we going to continue to wreck what God wants to do in our lives because we love our excuses? How long are we going to deny ourselves that, that we can taste and see that the Lord is good and destroy all of that because of our excuses, because of our rebellion, because of our sin? I say we put away this. The problem is I love this. I do. But I love this more. And so from now on, this, no longer part of my life. And I would like for you all to do the same thing today. I want you to think of the excuse that you're giving God for why he can't be God. And I want you to put the lid on it. I want you to throw it away and spend the rest of your life simply doing this. It's a good one. I want to invite Jenny to come on up. Right now, I think we need to do some business with God this morning. I want you to get in your mind the excuse you've been giving God. Why you can't do what he wants you to do. Why he can't heal you. Why you are the way you are. And I want you to know that it sounds exactly like the thing that the man told Jesus, I've been here 38 years. 
and I can't get down in the water. Jesus says, you've got to be kidding me. You know, the only person that sounds reasonable to is you. To me, sounds like an excuse. So I want to ask you, what is it that you've been telling God why he can't do what, you, what, what God can only do? Why you're stuck where you are? Why repeat, 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 repeat? And I want you, once and for all, to throw it away and commit to the rest of your life, Psalm 34, 1, that you will simply taste and see that the Lord is good. No excuses, no reasons, no rationalizations, no justifications. Lord, I want to get 